Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens, and I'm in the studio of the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse with Pastor Dr. David Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Uh, Good evening, Nathan, and thank the audience for allowing us to come into their homes this evening. Tonight we're going to be discussing the topic of psychology and the church, how they overlap, where they should, where they shouldn't overlap. Pastor, can you start by defining what is psychology? Well, basically, if you check most dictionaries or check um, encyclopedias, you'll find that most of them define uh, psychology, the science of behavior and the mind, uh, both the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. And it has to do with your feelings and your thoughts and how they affect uh, behavior. So it's basically a mind science that uh, see how the mind affects the, the behavior of an individual. Let's start by discussing the history of Christianity and the history of psychology. Uh, When did each of them get a start? Well, uh, the book of Acts uh, clearly is when the church was founded, Acts chapter 2. And our Lord was crucified about uh, 30 A.D. So you're looking at maybe 32 A.D., etc. So we have a very long history as far as the, the church is concerned and Christianity is concerned. Um, Christianity, of course, predates that uh, in the life of Christ because he's the one that gave the teaching about what a Christian would be, etc., etc. Uh, Christianity is born out of the, the wound of Judaism. Um, so it's, it, um, there's a linkage between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. So Christianity is, I mean, you look at it now, it's, I mean, over 2,000 years. On the other hand, psychology just started in the late um, 19th century. And it's a very recent science. It's, it's just over a uh, hundred years old. Uh, so there's no comparison between the two. My problem with the psychological movement and the church just totally embracing all the teachings and all the the findings of psychology is that uh, what happened before there was psychology? <laughs> Why do we feel that uh, who solved problems before? I mean, it's only just a hundred years we've got psychology. So why why have we brought this bastard baby into the church and um, made it something that it really is not? Because this Holy Spirit has been given to the believer. The Word of God has been given to believer. The community of faith has been given to the believer. God has endowed believers with different gifts to encourage, etc., etc. So the church, God made sure that the church was equipped to handle people's problems. And we have to be very, very careful about bringing this wholesale psychology into the church uh, to the neglect of the agents that God has already provided to help believers to cope with their problems. So uh, it's very recent. So I got it very, very recent. The other thing I would say, uh, well, Nathan, is that if you look at the world, since we've had psychology, is it better or is it worse? It's getting worse it's by the day. It's better or worse. Not because psychology has basically done one, made one critical mistake. It has absolved the individual responsibility. Mm-hmm. They blame either the environment, they blame the the fact that the, ch- the person was wounded on the inside, uh, some kind of uh, childhood trauma. Um, if it is not that, uh, there are certain needs that the society is not meeting those needs. So the individual is either determined because that's the way he was made. Uh, but the, the fact is, it is shifting blame for people's problems from the individual and shifting it to some other agent, whether it be the parent, whether it be the person that abused the person, whether it be uh, the environment. Uh, And I think that because of that, 
people today can commit all kinds of crimes, and it seems as though it is reckless. And you wonder, how can a person just shoot a person? How can a person just um, abuse women and take advantage of one female after another? As though it's a, uh, it's a game. But again, it's, it's simply because I'm not responsible. I, uh, I'm just acting according to my nature, or I have needs that need to be met. Uh, I didn't make myself with these needs. Psychology has emboldened people to shift blame from themselves uh, to some other agency. You've already answered some of this next question, but what are the effects of Christianity on an individual, and what are the effects of psychology on an individual? Well, I can only speak in respect to myself. Uh, My conversion was a real life-transforming conversion. It has not only brought me from my shell and enabled me to understand that um, I am made in the image of God. Uh, I have value. I have worth. I derive my worth, my value, not from what people think of me, but for what I know God, uh, how God has made me. I'm, a, I'm coming from God's hand. I'm, a, I'm, I'm created by Him. That gives me a sense of worth and value. Uh, the other thing is, is really transform my life because... Uh, when you put your faith and trust in Christ, uh, you not only have your sins forgiven and you have his righteousness imputed to you, but you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who does a sanctifying work. So the, the Holy Spirit begins to work on the inside, and that brings out transformation on the outside. Uh, and then, of course, the, the impact of having other believers, other Christians. Uh, when you're down and you need help, you can sometimes turn to believers. You, you have hypocrites in the church, as people would, we tend to say. But generally speaking, you have people in the church who really care about you, who want you to grow in Christ, who want you to develop, and who are willing to assist you in whatever way they can. So it has really been transforming for me. And any true, authentic believer who have experienced conversion, real, genuine regeneration, uh, will say very clearly that they're not the same persons they were. Their whole nature has been transformed. They still sin because the old nature is still there, but you have the new nature as well. And there is this tension, this battle going on between the believer, uh, new nature, and the old nature. But predominantly, um, as you yield to the Spirit, as you follow the Word of God, you gain the victory. Uh, so it all depends on which part of your nature that you really feeds. But it's been transforming for me. Oh, psychology. Yeah. Uh, the other effect psychology has had, as I mentioned before, uh, it has done a lot of damage uh, to people. Uh, when we begin to discuss maybe Freud or Roger or Skinner, uh, I'll mention some of these things, but uh, the, the main problem with psychology is based on a false anthropology. And what I mean by that is all of the founding fathers of the theories of uh, psychology and all of these theories were people who were atheists, people who were profoundly hostile against any absolute truth, against any form of Christianity that demanded um, any kind of strictures, any kind of regulations. These are men who were atheists, skeptics, agnostics, and people who were very, very ungodly in in terms of how they live. They have come up with theories because their theories are bought on a false answer. Most of them, I cannot think of one right now who did not believe in evolution. And then the other thing about it, uh, most of them were, were atheists. So they have a false concept of the nature of reality and a false concept of the nature of man. Out of those two false concepts, they develop theories. So something, we have to be very, very careful to sieve and filter what uh, these psychologists have come to discover because they're not coming from a biblical perspective in terms of the nature of God, the nature of reality, the nature of man. Uh, And consequently, their conclusions must be false. Not that they're not things that we can learn from them because they, I mean, obviously when you can look at a person, an object, you can learn certain things by studying Mm. uh, that you learn. But at the very center and the core of really understanding man, Uh, I think they've missed out big time and came up with theories that eventually rob man of his dignity by robbing him of his responsibility. Pastor Murphy, I know there's a lot of different branches or specialized fields of psychology. Can you summarize those for us? Yeah, let me uh, mention um, several of these, uh, not in any particular order. But there is what you call clinical psychology. Uh, It tries to integrate... Uh, science, theory, and uh, practice, and it tries to understand and predict and relieve problems having to do with adjustment and disabilities and any kind of discomfort. So it all it has to do with how you can adapt and adjust uh, in your personal development. It is often involved in research, 
basic research and also involved when it comes to training and sometimes when it comes to forensic testimony, the clinical psychologist will come into place. Then there's what you call cognitive psycho uh, psychology. And this is where they try to investigate the mental processes uh, like problem solving, memory, learning, language. Um, they try to discover how people think, how people perceive things, how people communicate, how people remember, how people learn. Uh, that is, in other words, these were the mental aspect of a person's life. And then there's what you call developmental psychology. And this is trying to look at the scientific psychological stage of development. Like, uh, for example, as you move in your life from being an infant to children to teenagers uh, to young adults to adults to elderly people, looking to see what are the characteristics of that period of life and then what you can learn from that. It, it factors in on such things as the motor skills, problem solving, um, the moral, how you develop moral understanding, how you acquire language and deal with such things as emotions, personality. Uh, the self-concept and also the how you uh, form your identity. Uh, but it mainly has to do with the different stages of, of development. Uh, when I talk about the benefits of psychology eventually is that uh, we learn a lot from that because even in our Sunday school material, we, we always take tailor-make the material to fit the age, what they can comprehend, what it can be abstract or concrete uh, knowledge, uh, etc. And then there's forensic psychology, and this is where you apply psychology to the criminal investigations. You've probably seen that forensic science sometimes on, 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 the, on the screen. You try to assess the psychological factors that might have influenced the crime. Uh, that's another field. And then there's health psychology, where you try to um, apply psychology to the medical area um, in terms of health and illnesses and uh, in the social context. And then there's occupational psychology, which tries to bring psychology to bear into the workplace, how to help the, the business to improve the environment, uh, how to uplift the workers, how to encourage them, how to remunerate them, um, what are some of the, um, the things you can do to uh, facilitate better relation between uh, the employer and the employee, et cetera, et cetera. And then the social psychology, when you start to look at how other uh, persons uh, affect individuals in terms of um, your feelings, your behavior, and your thoughts, how other social individuals uh, can do that. And then there's what you call neuropsychology. And this has to do more with the structure of the brain and how that affects behavior. Uh, like, for example, when you got a, a lesion in the brain, how would that affect a person, how they would operate? And, um, and sometimes looking at the, the electrical activity in the brain and which part of the brain is functioning, et cetera. This is more of a um, natural science part of it than the social science aspect of it. But those are basically um, the different types of psychology. Why is it that psychology is so dangerous for the church? Well, I think one of the reasons why it's dangerous to the church is because I don't think the persons who use it and who utilize it, especially a lot of pastors now, that when they go to seminaries and they go to university, they're being trained, especially in the area of counseling. And a lot of these concepts are introduced uh, to these persons. What I think the problem is, is that we need to understand that uh, behind every psychological theory, uh, there are presuppositions. If you don't understand the presuppositions behind a man's thinking, uh, you can be easily misled because those presuppositions that a man holds um, will affect the kind of research that he does, will affect how he interprets the data that he gets, will affect what are the goals towards which uh, this would achieve, and then it has to do with the methods you would use. When you say presuppositions, you mean like worldview? Yes, okay. exactly. I'm talking about the, the core beliefs that a person holds, that we filter everything through. Every mm -hmm. person has a worldview, yeah. and every psychologist has a worldview, but as I pointed out before, every one of them, without exception, that laid the foundation for psychology were atheists, believed in evolution, and uh, saw no role for scripture or the Bible or God in anybody's life. They were totally secular in their outlook. They formulated these theories out of that kind of a background. And that is why we need... Look, I would like to say to you, there is no such thing as academic unbiased mentality. Every person who is uh, academia has certain core beliefs that he brings to bear on his study. There's no such thing as neutrality, objective neutrality, when it comes to any kind of research or any kind of writing. Everybody writes from certain presuppositions that they hold to. I don't think that Christians understand that. Uh, and by the way, Brother Mason, this goes off to the media as well. 
when you listen to the media, you have to filter what they're telling you because these are activists. These are people who are trying to push their ideology and trying to push their presuppositions down your throat. So if you are a person who is careless and assume that everything you hear is true, (laughs) you'd be sadly mistaken. And this is the thing, this is the danger why psychology would uh, bring in and embracing it in its totality without being aware of the presuppositions of the person who founded the ideology and then bringing it wholesale into the church. And this is where the danger lies. Have a WhatsApp question that just came from a listener in Antigua. Pastor, is it okay for a Christian to seek counsel from a psychologist outside of the church? My counsel and my advice to believers, um, if you are really a genuine, authentic believer and you have a problem. Now, now if you have an organic problem, which is a something that the, the medical doctor can fix. I'm not talking organic problems. I'm talking non-organic problems. If you have a normal problem that might relate to everyday living, your home, your family, uh, guilt, whatever it is, the appropriate person to handle that is a pastor. Now, if you think that your pastor is inadequate in handling that, he should or you should find a referral that you can actually get somebody. Look, uh, not everybody is competent in the area of counseling when it comes to the pastoral ministry. Uh, Not everybody has had any training. A lot of pastors who are fairly old have not had training in this particular area, so they may not even know how to handle the situation. But I, I, I would say to you that the first recourse for any believer is to find a godly pastor Uh, who you trust and who you know is going to be objective with you and will uh, bring to bear the biblical truth to deal with your problem. Uh, Look, the Bible says that God has given to us all that pertains to life and godliness. So anything that pertains to life and godliness for the believer, God has adequately provided that. And that is found either in His Word, is found in the Council of the Community of Faith, and, of course, the agency of the Holy Spirit. And, and then, in addition, the community of faith is much broader than your church. It includes the, uh, the, 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 the entire body of Christ. So I, I would not say it is, I can't say definitively a sin, because the person might be forced to turn to help for psychology because he can't find the adequate uh, help within the church. Uh, but I would be very reluctant to advise anybody to go to a psychologist if they have a personal problem that uh, whether family or, or, or whatever, I believe the, the person to handle that best is, is the pastor. Let me use an illustration for just a moment. And I'm not going to use any names. I'm just using it for, um, just for uh, illustration. I was counseling a, a couple some time ago, and um, I had learned that they had gone to a psychologist. Um, virtually, the situation was at the breaking point in terms of the marriage. As a matter of fact, they just thought it was over. Hmm. And I, I learned that they had been to the psychologist, and I asked the person, I said, what did the psychologist tell you? And I, I'm telling you what the person told me to my face. They, they said to me, Pastor, and this is one of the members, one of the part of the couples, and they said, you know, he told me that I brought nothing into the marriage. I was shocked. Here is a marriage at the very point of dissolution, but yet a psychiatrist is so insensitive as to suggest that a person going into marriage brought nothing into the marriage. Well, did that person not even bring themselves? Are they nothing? But, uh, but I, was, I was puzzled that uh, a, a psychologist would lead in, in that kind of a way. So I am very reluctant to advise people to turn to psychologists unless you have a real mental problem. But if you have an a, a everyday life problem that between you and individuals or between you and God, uh, the person that is best able to help you with that, give you biblical guidance, is not the psychologist. He's coming from a secular point of view. It would be the pastor. And I would encourage pastors, uh, whether or not they have studied it by course, and there are several places you can do that, uh, or by just getting some very good books, very good books. Uh, I would recommend Jay Adams. Uh, his Nutetic Counseling, uh, get the book Competent to Counsel, uh, get the book The Christian's Counsel's Manual. Uh, anything by Jay Adams, quite frankly, is, is just um, totally, totally conscriptual, biblical and scriptural. Uh, by the way, it doesn't mean that to say biblical and scripture that he ignores the psychological things that, that are beneficial, uh, but he filters all of those things and gives you a biblical perspective. So I, I think that if you have not had any course studies in this um, area, there are several books that you can read. Uh, there's one by Gary Collins as well called Christian Counseling. It's a big yellow book, maybe almost 
800 pages. It's huge book. It's in CLC. I've seen it CLC. And then there's guy, this guy, Larry Crabb. Uh, he is... Uh, but the thing about uh, Crabb and, and Collins is that they sometimes mix psychology with, with, with scripture. So you have to... You still have to filter what they're saying, but they have some very good insights that are very helpful to uh, a pastor who counsels. But your preferred author on the topic would be Jay Adams. Yeah. Uh, his form of counsel is called nuthetic counseling, by the way. Uh, the first book, uh, Comedy Counsel, lays down the fundamental principles and presuppositions that guide his method of counseling. And then the, print, the, the Christian Counsel's Manual, that deals with specific items uh, that when you're counseling like marriage, uh, anger, issues dealing with sex. Um, so he now begins to deal, apply his counseling method to specific areas of a person's life. If you're listening and you're thinking, oh, Pastor Murphy is just a pastor. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Let me just share a little bit of his credentials with you. He has a Bachelor of Arts degree in English, a Bachelor of Arts degree in Theology, Master's degree in Religion, a Doctorate degree in Counseling, ongoing studies with the Blackford Counseling Center in England. He's constantly reading. If you haven't already picked that up, just from the way that he is able to answer questions and reference different books. And he has many, many years of experience of counseling and ministry here in the Caribbean. Pastor Murphy, if psychology has done so much damage, are you saying that I should bear my burdens and find solutions on my own? Or is it okay to get counseling from a psychologist? Yeah, are those the only two options? Uh, no, but I, I just mentioned ago that the, I, I would hope that pastors would make themselves available to help people. Um, I am a firm believer that God has adequately equipped his church to handle problems. Again, I want to repeat to you, only in 100 years ago we have psychology who were helping people solve their problems before psychology came around. When people far more disciplined, far more moral, far more, uh, and I would say far more brilliant, except in the area of technology, but you you, you read uh, the writings of people before and you see the profundity with which you would write. So, uh, to my mind, we have to realize that the, the people before psychology always look to pastors. What pastors have done is that they've sold their birthright. Uh, for psychological sop, really. And, and, and that's a tragedy. But we are the ones who understand, or should understand human nature perhaps better than most people because we are studying the book uh, of God that really explains to us uh, about human nature and about reality. So I think by surrendering to psychology, we've really, really done a, uh, a great detriment uh, to the church. I have a question that just came in via WhatsApp here from Antigua. The listener writes, I came across this section of an article and I'm curious about your thoughts biblically. Imagine that your physician says you urgently need brain surgery. Would you want to be operated on by a godly pastor without medical training or by a prominent brain surgeon who happens to be an atheist? In the same way, even psychologists who reject Christianity can offer us valuable insights about the human mind and behavior. I don't think there's any contradiction between what I'm saying and what the person wrote there. Obviously, if I have a, a brain tumor, uh, whether he's atheist or, or, or a Christian, um, he's going to operate on me because the pastor has no, no qualification in that area. But the, you've got to understand the difference now between a psychologist and a pastor. We're not saying we can't have insights from, from psychologists because hopefully somewhere during the program when we begin to look at these men and what they're taught, uh, we can see very clearly they, 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 they found something by their observation and their studies that is true. But it's the application of it that we question. So there's no dispute that you can learn from psychologists. Uh, I, I, a man who goes to study for four years as a psychologist and he tells another two years to get his master's and then another two years of clinical studies, he's spent about eight years, he's been observing. Uh, clearly, he has learned a lot of things. That's not the issue. The issue is how he interprets the data that he has uh, found and how, what is his understanding of, of the uh, what I call uh, biblical anthropology. What is man like? What, how, how does man operate? So I think we can learn from psychology. This is why I'm against uh, the idea that you should, your person shouldn't read books of psychology or shouldn't read, uh, should know where, should, in other words, you can't learn anything in totality from psychology. That's a mistake. It's like uh, we, we can learn from atheistic science, scientists who, who discover things because they observe them. 
all truth is God's truth. Let me put it that way. Uh, so I think we can learn. But the problem is accepting full scale their suggestions, their discoveries, their interpretations, without filtering it to see if this conflicts with Scripture. If it conflicts with Scripture, it is wrong. It can't be right. Can a therapy or an approach help an individual if it does not bring the gospel before the person being counseled? Well, it depends what kind of therapy you're thinking about. For example, suppose a person is scared of cats okay, or, or scared of, of um, roaches. I mean, where does the Bible come in there, right? Uh, there are methods that are, have been discovered through observation and through um, experimentation that pretty much has a specific way of leading you away from those fear of things. Normally, it's like showing you a picture of a cat. Mm-hmm. So you get accustomed to a cat. And then you might get a, 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 a false cat, an artificial cat that you have there. And so you, you, you know, it moves you in the direction when you begin to lose your fear of cats until but finally... Oh, go ahead. Is that really helping you, though, or is really the root issue fear? And if you overcome fear by understanding the gospel and that Jesus Christ is yeah. the answer to fear... Yeah. Well, I, I, wouldn't, that's not a, that's not a, um, I think you're right about that, that it involves an element of fear. Uh, but what I'm saying to you is that a psychologist can bring you from a fear of a cat to mm-hmm. the point where you play with a cat. Okay. without giving you any biblical data in there. Um, a Christian could give you all the information about you shouldn't fear this, you shouldn't fear that. But again, unless he has some method, to, to some practical method to help me to move in that direction, uh, I shouldn't, but I still do. But what can you do now to help me to, to release of that fear? And that's where I think the element of research and science comes in to help you, to, along with the biblical doctrine of you shouldn't fear and you should believe in God, but you still need a process to bring me out of my fear. And sometimes a pastor may not be competent in that area. He may not know, how do I bring her from being fear of a roach or being fearful of a, a cat? Uh, he doesn't know there's a way to desensitize a person gradually to the point where they realize, hey, this is nothing real. Right, So that's why I say to you that there are benefits of psychology that we can learn from. That doesn't clash with any biblical principle. Maybe you have a topic that you would like discussed on That's Truth in the future. Please share. We are open to suggestions. We want this to be a program that is as practical as possible. So topics that you are wanting to hear discussed and needing to hear discussed are topics that we want to discuss Nathan, can I inject here just a minute? Uh, I just mentioned that, that we can benefit from the research and um, uh, psychology, et cetera, et cetera, the studies. Uh, but let me use a let me use an area here. I don't know that. For example, take what's the purpose of life? There's not an atheistic um, psychologist that understands what's the real authentic purpose of life. What is man's chief goal in life? Happiness. <laughs> That's what the answer would be, or to be, to have self-actualization, uh, you know. But again, when you go back, what's the real fundamental purpose of life? It's to glorify God, yeah. right? Uh, so, you see the difference there? Now you have a, he will try to lead you in one direction as to what's the ultimate goal in life, but he doesn't understand because he has a wrong concept of the nature of reality and the nature of man and the purpose of man. So I'm just using that illustration to say that, no, when he would, would tell me that I'm, my purpose is to be self-actualized, that's my ultimate goal in life, it clashes with the biblical model that my goal in life is to glorify God. So I have to filter what he has said through, biblic, uh, through the scriptures so I can eliminate what is not scriptural and what is not biblical. So could you say then that the secular man, that you as a Bible-believing pastor and counselor are not adequately prepared to meet the needs of a secular man because he's on the other side of that fence and the roles are reversed? Well, generally speaking, if you read uh, Jay Adams' book, he suggests that before you can actually do any real kind of authentic counseling, you need to, first of all, bring the person to conversion. Okay. In other words, you try to evangelize first. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that principle. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't try to help somebody who came to me, I, I don't believe in God, whatever it is, but here's my problem. I've got a problem with marriage. I've got a problem with my, my neighbor. I've got a problem at work. There are biblical principles, that, if applied, whether to a Christian or non-Christian, that would help the person in that process. So I can still render help to him 
uh, in ways that, uh, because I'm, I have a biblical framework that enables me to take those biblical principles and apply it. And remember that the biblical principles in the Bible are, would work not just for you or for me. It works for everybody because it's God's Word, right? So I would still offer that help recognizing, however, his limitations in his capacity to apply it regularly and consistently. But uh, we can still help. You've referenced a number of the founders uh, in passing. Let's take some time and discuss what are some of these common psychotherapies that are used, who founded them, and what are the basic concepts? I, I, again, uh, I'm not going to go in any particular order, but I do want to mention some very popular names that most people are familiar with. Uh, one of the uh, leading persons, really, when it comes to psychology, is probably the first one that uh, led people to believe that they need psychotherapy to deal with their problems, and that is Sigmund Freud. Yeah. Uh, Freud um, was an atheist. Freud was extremely hostile towards Christianity, and part of the reason for that is that Freud lived in the age when the Catholic Church had compromised with the German Third Reich, and that led to the slaughter of six million Jews. So he had a strong hatred for the Church because he understood the Church only in the context of the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church had aligned itself with the Nazi regime, and it actually, um, quite frankly, led to the, 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 the Church compromising with uh, Hitler. And, and creating the catastrophe that happened in relation to the Jews. So his hatred was there, but he the problem with that, that he made the Catholic Church the church. So his hatred for all religion really was born out of that experience uh, during that, that Holocaust time. Freud's main contribution to um, psychology is the concept of the unconscious. And he's the first one that he actually gave us the word the unconscious. He's the one that introduced this into the into the vocabulary of ordinary. No, there was no such thing as people talking unconscious before. He introduced that. And so whole, is it legitimate? But wait, here's, okay. a, here's a problem. Um, Freud is suggesting that what motivates you and what controls you is your unconscious. Oh, okay. So whatever, uh, all the problems that you face that you repressed, and you didn't deal with, you you repressed them back into the unconscious. And unknown to you, the unconscious is controlling your life. So here's the problem. You're not responsible for what you do. See, that is the error of Freud, right? That what motivates me to do what I do is the unconscious. Now, again, when you compare that with biblical psychology, you know, it's something completely different. Because the Bible tells me that I am motivated, I do what I do because of my sinful nature. And there are four forces operating against me. Um, the Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, mm-hmm. right? So I am controlling my, my desires to meet my physical and emotional needs, whether that be food, sex, whatever it is. But the Bible also said that I am motivated by the lust of the eyes. That has to do with material, the things that I see that I want. Yeah. And then the Bible talks the pride of life, which is my ambition. I want to be recognized. I want to be in control. I want to be the leader. And then... The other part that psychology never takes into consideration, the Bible talks about being controlled by that spirit that work of disobedience in the lives of people. You find that in Ephesians chapter 2, that there is a supernatural world, not only uh, the world of good angels, but fallen angels, and that there is a controlling spirit called Satan, that he has his minions that are also working to ruin my life and move in a certain direction. So we would say to Freud, it's not your unconscious that controls me. Are these, these are the forces the Bible talks about. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and of course the, these, these evil spirits, etc., etc. So that's why I say to you, when you build a system of psychology on a false anthropology, you always come to a false conclusion. right? And again, uh, Freud is saying you're not responsible because it's your unconscious that controls you. But the Bible says that you're responsible. Even though these desires are there, you have choices to make. So because I see an attractive woman and my lust desires her, I have to make a choice. Am I going to hoodwink her? Do I'm going to deceive her? Am I going to do that to sleep with her? Because I have these desires. Or do I control my passion? See, That's the difference between Freud. And the other thing is that Freud introduced the concept of the id, yeah. the superego, and the um, the ego and the superego. Freud said that the id was your instinctive desires, what we would call your lust. Uh, 
and that those instinctive desires are fighting against the superego, which is what you might call your conscience, and you are the ego. So the battle that goes on in the ego is between the id and the superego, between my instincts, my, my intuition, my desires, and my conscience. Freud is saying, what creates the problem is that my conscience is too strict. So what I got to do now, I got to water down my conscience and give uh, free ride to my intuitions. So I got to get rid of all these inhibitions that I have. But who gave me these inhibitions? Well, Freud says, your, your mom gave it to you. The church gave it to you. So he has no room in him for understanding. The Bible says that the law of God is written where? In a man's conscience. So it's not, we are not socialized mainly by the environment and by, by people that we interact with. God has already pre-programmed in every man a conscience that is familiar with the law. That's why it doesn't matter where you go in the world. Stealing is wrong. Murder is wrong. Rape is wrong because we have this law of God written in our hearts that whether you be a heathen or a Christian, whether you're in Alaska or whether in the South American jungles, people know right from wrong because God made sure that man would never ever say, I never knew what right and wrong were. No, this is what the Bible teaches. So Freud clashes with the Bible. So what do we do? Do we embrace Freud or do we embrace the scripture? And it comes down to the battle that's been going on for the ages between belief and unbelief. Have God said? Have God not said? That is a universal battle going on. And in psychology, that's why I say that we've got to be careful what we embrace. Do you have some examples of how Freud's false teaching has infiltrated into the church and has um, affected the church, watered down Christianity as a whole? Well, I would say this. Um, People today uh, are less conscious of their responsibility, and uh, they have got an idea today, whether in the church or out, that everybody's a victim. And that's that Freud has helped uh, in creating this, this concept that we are victim, that we are pretty much not responsible for what happened. We do what we do because people did bad things to us. I think whether in the church or outside the church, that kind of ideology has infiltrated so that uh, we're always talking about our weaknesses to excuse what we're doing. We're not saying that we're fully responsible for our actions. Or You know, he did that to me, so therefore I responded this way. Uh, as though I responded, but I didn't have any control over that. I'm a victim. I think that uh, concept has filtered into the church in different forms. But substantially, whether in the church, outside the church, the concept of people being a victim and they're helpless and they're almost preconditioned to do what they're doing, you find that in the church as well as outside the church. Pastor, we have a caller by the name of Nathan from the island of Nevis. Go ahead, Nathan. Yes, good evening. Good, good evening. I would like to know if a psychiatry and psychology is one and the same, if they're the same thing. Um, psychiatry. No, psychiatry and psychology are two different things. Um, psychology is a person who basically has not been a medical doctor. A psychiatrist is a medical doctor who now um, embraces psychology and takes his psychological principles along with his medical knowledge to help the patient. So a psychologist is not a medical doctor, but a psychiatrist is a medical doctor who utilizes uh, psychology. Yes, because I've been seeing uh, a psychiatrist, different psychiatrists over the years. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't really remember how long, uh-huh. but almost 30 years. Well, now I'm not too sure why you've been seeing a psychologist for that long, but I was assumed that it has to be some physical or mental problem uh, as opposed to something that's normal that would need the help of a, a Christian pastor. Um, I'm not going to um, give you a guilt complex because I don't know your situation. It might be quite legitimate that you, you chose to use a psychiatrist, but um, basically a psychiatrist is a medical doctor who applies psychology to help the patient as well. In fact, they were sent to me, and I decided to follow them. So I've been seeing them. I'm presently on medication from them. Yeah. Uh, let me just suggest to you something, sir, if I may advise you for a little bit. Um, I am not a physician, so I'm not going to get into that realm, but let me suggest to you that whenever a doctor or a psychiatrist gives you a medication, um, it is very easy to go online 
um, Google that medication in and see what the side effects are and what it, what's the purpose of it. You will be surprised that a lot of people taking medication, they have no awareness of what it's all about. I know of a guy who was given medication and he didn't even know he was giving uh, antidepressant drugs. So I would just say to you, um, I don't know who you are. I don't know what the reason that you had to get a psychologist why they recommended it. But I would advise you as an individual to take the medication and uh, go online and check it up to see exactly what's the purpose of it. Okay. Okay. Um, uh -huh. Actually, I'm the member of a church. I'm not a Baptist. Okay. Christian, really. I'm a member of another, another church. denomination. Yeah, yeah. Now, what happened is the, the people in the community accused me of walking witchcraft and people. I didn't know, but they went to the, the people of the church, the, the pastors, and tell them uh -huh. of their story. I hear them throwing out words about witchcraft, but I didn't know it was me they meant. So they decide they, they, they are going to do me, so they set up a trap for me, and I walk into the, the trap. Wow. And um, they were expecting me, after they have done me what they, they decide they would do to me, uh -huh. that I would go back to the same people of the church and ask them to pray for me. But it never come into my mind to do it. Up to now, he hasn't come into my mind to do it. Uh -huh. And it's now over about over 30 years now. Wow. It's now over 30 years. I've been hearing voices and all that. Okay. Daily. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Every day, every night, uh -huh. hearing voices uh -huh. of people talking to one another and saying things towards me. Yeah. What? And... I, 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 I don't know. I, I can't go to them to ask them for prayer. Yeah. Seeing that they have supported these, these my enemies who were set up against me. So, um, I, they sent. It is the same people who sent these psychiatrist people to me. Uh huh to get me to go into them uh -huh. and well whatever spirit might have motivated me to follow them so I've been there for years uh -huh. and um, you know um, but let me let me ask you a quick question. You you were never involved in witchcraft or any of that, were you? No. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I I would say to you that if you're hearing voices, and you're actually actually hearing voices, they they could be a, a psychotic problem. This is where the psychiatrist would come in because um, there are situations like that where it can be treated medically, and if the drugs that they gave you is helping you in this respect, it's very very clear that you have an organic problem. You don't have a spiritual problem. On the other hand, I would not exclude the possibility of the spirit world involved in India. In, yeah. I don't know your background, I don't know your family background, I don't know if this runs in the family, I have no idea, so I can't advise you in that regard. But I, I would, uh, if you cannot go back to the same church and ask them for prayer, certainly in Nevis, there are some good churches over there, uh, it doesn't have to be the same church that you're going to, find a good church and, and ask the pastor, can you get some people to come and pray for me, pray over me, uh, see if I can, if there's a problem, I need some kind of deliverance. That would be my recommendation. But just to let it go on like this, and because of your feelings of um, anger towards those who have misrepresented the facts, and you avoid it, going and asking for prayer, uh, the, the, the body of Christ is far wider than just your church or my church. And I would recommend that you probably go to another church and maybe speak to a pastor and say, listen, I've got this problem, explain the problem. Would you, would you be able to get some people to come and pray for me, pray over me, and uh, if I need deliverance, deliverance might come. On the other hand, it may be a real organic problem that the psychiatrist would help, but I would still think, I would still advise you, because of your hearing voices, etc., etc., to try to seek an alternative rather than just the psychiatrist at this point in time. Yes. Um, they, they, they not only go to my, my church, uh -huh. but the other, other churches on the island, yeah. they go to them and set them up against me and so it's it's difficult because I'm not going to nobody who asked Look, can I can I recommend somebody to you? Like 
I, I know a pastor there right now. His name is Pastor Wayne Maynard. He pastors Shiloh Baptist Church. Um, um, I would suggest you get in contact with Pastor Maynard and, and see if he'd be willing to help. His, his, fa his father is the pastor emeritus of the same church. And I would recommend to you that if you call the, the either one of them and explain to them the situation, request a time of prayer, people come in to surround you in prayer, I am very, very sure, I'd be very disappointed if they did not respond to you to try to help you as best as they can. And that's a Shiloh Baptist Church. Shiloh Baptist Church. Um, and uh, Pastor Eric Maynard, um, his son is, um, I forgot his, his first name, but Pastor Maynard, if you if you were to contact them. Okay? I think I know who you mean. Yeah. Thank you very much for that call. Thank you, Nathan, for that. And I trust that that information is helpful to you. We have five minutes left in this episode of That's Truth. Pastor Murphy, we were going through the different, uh, some of the common psychotherapies and the founders, and you talked about Sigmund Freud. Are there others who yeah. were... Okay. Uh, before we leave Freud, I would yeah. like to mention a Go few ahead. other things about Freud that you need to be aware. All of us are familiar with what's called the Oedipus Complex. You've probably heard about that. Again, this is a Freudian teaching. And uh, they normally consider Freud to be the sex intoxicated man. Everything that Freud tried to explain, every problem that humans being had, is somehow related to the repression of their sexual drive. Freud is the one that suggested that every boy child have a sexual desire for his mother, so he hates his father. Uh, he also puts it to say that the, the, every, every girl child has a, a sexual desire for her dad. And that's why she's hostile towards her mom. It's Freud that introduces this, 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 this entire concept. Uh, it's a myth, a complete myth. But he gets you to believe that all your problems is your repression of your, your sexual desires. And this is what creates all of these complicated problems uh, for you. The other thing uh, about Freud is that the, the methods that, that Freud used, I, I mentioned to you that a person's presuppositions and the, the, the worldview will not only affect the kind of research that they do, the interpretation of that research, but also the methods that are used to help uh, people. And uh, Freud's methods, uh, uh, he believes in using hypnosis, uh, because he got to get, get into your, your past find out how you as a child was injured. This is where all of this idea of the, uh, the, the, the childhood traumas are, are coming from because Freud is saying that somewhere along the line this is what happened. And then he also talks about um, you got to interpret dreams, that your dreams says a lot about your, your unconscious. And sometimes if you're being run by a dog, for example, in your dream, it may not be a dog, it may be a boss. But who, who, who interprets <laughs> that dream? Freud does. <laughs> so whatever he tells you, uh, they're supposed to be experts at dreams. Uh, and I don't know how Christians fall for this kind of myth and fictions as far as that is concerned. And then, of course, you have to recollect uh, memories of the past. And this is where hypnosis goes in to try to delve into your past and try to analyze your past. Here, again, is the problem with Freud that it's your past that controls you and makes you do what you do. So you're not responsible because things that were done to you in the past, you didn't do them. Other people did them to you. Again, absolving you of responsibility. Now, now again, is it not true that we can learn from the past? Of course. We will never understand an individual that we are counseling until we understand their family background. That's why you normally give them some kind of a, a, an analysis sheet, uh, um, uh, information gathering sheet, that um, you provide information as far as the the uh, um, the religious background of the family, the financial background of the family, the the uh, interaction between individuals. And the you get all that kind of information to get an idea of what it was, what the child's life was like, how did she relate to her mom, to her dad, what quantum discipline they were used, et cetera, et cetera. So there is value in understanding a p person's past. But to suggest that your past controls you and you're not responsible because of things done to you in your past is where, again, we put a checkmate on, on, on Freudian teaching. But we can learn from him that we should look at a person's past when you're trying to understand the person. By the way, this is often done in cases of crime. Uh, a person gets up one day and he shoots his mom and his dad. 
uh, it's a clear the crime. Uh, re, uh, a lot of research is done in investigating to find out what would cause a, a person to do that, and then they, they do some background into the the, the, the child, uh, find out about the neighbor, how did they interact with. Then they discover that the child was being abused for years, maybe sexual abuse. Then that gives you an in- it doesn't absolve the person of the act of the crime, and that doesn't mean they shouldn't have to pay for the crime. But certainly, if you want justice, the the, the, the penalty has to be adjusted to the abuse. So that is very helpful in trying to understand uh, people and, and trying to deal with the uh, situations. So, uh, uh, and, and um, the, the, the idea of free association as well um, that is used where I show you an object or I, I mention a word and you tell me whatever comes to your mind. Uh, what your response is what is in your subconscious. As, again, it is purely subjective interpretation. But to bring this into the church now, and uh, rip it, r- rope it into a, a counseling program certainly is not acceptable because the Bible holds me personally responsible for my actions and it doesn't matter how bad my past is I'm responsible for my present and how I respond to people Quickly, is hypnosis okay for a Christian? I would never allow myself to be uh, hypnotized I don't think it's appropriate for a believer um, and I think you're delving into a realm that is pure speculative and subjective. Thank you for joining us this evening on the program. Just want to share a quick announcement with you that I'm excited about. Starting in September, That's Truth will be no longer 60 minutes, but will be 90 minutes long. We have heard some great feedback from the program, and we're excited to be able to bring lengthen the program so that we have more time to discuss the issues Join us next week as we continue to discuss psychology and the church. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.